Welcome to the GMS Podcast, brought to you by GMS Distribution. GMS specializes in temporary portable power distribution equipment for the restoration contractor. I am your host and owner of GMS, Jared Steer, and today I will be talking to my friends. Hey, there we go. We are recording. I am at Large Lost Mastery. I have found one of my good friends here to sit down and talk with us, Dan Boot. How are you doing, bud? I'm doing awesome. It's great to see you, Jared. You too, as man. always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You too. I was, uh, yeah, I wasn't expecting you to be here, and then we got here, and I saw you, and I was like, oh, Dan's here. Likewise, yeah. <laughs> I saw you across the room, and I thought, oh my god, this is awesome. <laughs> so, uh, why don't you go ahead do uh, a little bit of background information on you? Let the listeners know who who Dan Boot is, where he fits into the industry, how he got started, that kind of thing. Sure, uh, I'm 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 with Garrett McKenzie. Um, I started out in restoration, kind of by mistake. I'd been in carpentry and general contracting my whole life. My dad was a contractor, so kind of been around the construction industry forever. Okay. And a storm hit our hometown, and I, it's a little town in Michigan, and I had gotten all kinds of calls from neighbors and friends of neighbors, and some of the insurance agents in town had done work for on their houses and things over the years. Okay. So it's going crazy, and I'm getting calls and getting work like crazy. What well, year was this? That was 2000, 2003, I want to say. 2003, okay, so 2000. 20 years ago. Yeah. Okay. So... <clears throat> there's just something about being in this industry and when somebody's having the worst day ever, mm-hmm. being able to come in and help them with some of that anxiety by having some of the right answers for them and being able to kind of take them by the hand and get them through that. Yeah. And then, you know, kind of, we do a lot of restoring property, but in some senses we restore lives too. We help them get their life back together. And so that's always really exciting. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, we've heard of that so many times, like bringing order to chaos or you get that immediate gratification or you're taking somebody from a 10, you know, a 10 maxed out, stressed out to a zero. And yeah, putting their, like you said, putting their, putting their home, restoring that, but putting their life back together because right. they just had something devastating to them happen, even though it's your everyday job to go in and fix that. Right. And so, yeah. And so it's nice because it's easy to take that for granted, right? That yeah. this is what I do every day, ho-hum. But uh, there's just something about people's stress level in that uh, in that moment and being able to help them, help them walk through it and kind of soothe their anxiety. That's, yeah, it's, it's fulfilling. So you got, so basically like through that storm and helping out, like helping out the neighbors, you just, you were like, this is why, like you start researching more into it you change directions there was a local restoration contractor in town that was seeing my daniel boot builder signs all okay. over the place and he's oh, like, so you have your own company at this yeah, point i had my own business at that time gotcha and so uh he he's asking around like who is this guy i see his signs everywhere you know and yeah he was kind of the big name in restoration in that area and so um a mutual friend was his subcontractor and my subcontractor and we introduced each other and that's how I ultimately began working in restoration and I got bit by the bug right away okay and uh, I just haven't thought too much about doing anything else since so what's so I mean is that that's the big difference from your construction company and what it was to the restoration side it is uh, and the longevity of product projects you know so uh, not building commercial jobs that last for years and years not really doing building homes that'll be six months to a year. 
Okay. Uh, it's it's more shorter term projects. Turning stuff around quick. Turning stuff around quick, and and that appeals to my personality. Getting on to the next one and a new project. Exactly. New challenge. New project. New challenge. New personalities. Yeah. Exactly. Very cool. So you're in Michigan then. So and this is so this is what's fun for me about my podcast because um, I know you about ten years ago. I think right. is when we met. Maybe a little longer, but um, you were working in Chicago at this point. So how do you get from Michigan to Chicago through DKI. And, okay. And so I had met uh, Warner Cruz at JC Restoration through DKI, and he had an opportunity. And so I started talking to him about that opportunity, and my family and I ultimately moved to Chicago and worked okay. for Warner for a, a good while. I want to say three, three and a half years. Okay. Um, and that's where I, because that was, that's, yeah, exactly. That's where really where you met. and I got to know each other. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because I was just getting started in the, in this space with the power distribution units, right. and yeah, you guys were one of my very first customers at that yeah, time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, yeah, it was it was a good time. I got to meet and work with some really fantastic people. So now, where do you go? So you're with Warner for a couple of years at JC. Do you stay in Chicago? I stayed in Chicago. Uh, I went on my own for a short period of time. Okay. I, I had a partner, and, and we had a smaller restoration company. Okay. And uh, that was going pretty well, I would say. Yeah. Uh, and then just something happened. I, I, I met uh, Will and Bill Hughes, who are, you know, they're the principals at uh, Garrett McKenzie. Um, Bill and his wife uh, own the company. And uh, Will is my friend and counterpart. And, yeah. Uh, so there was an opportunity to go there and my business wasn't quite getting to where I wanted it to be. And I was just ready for a change. Okay. And so, well, so it's, and now, I mean, I know Garrett McKenzie right now today is, is what is it? It's contractor support. Yes. Is that right. Has it always been contractor support? No, at one time we were restoration and it's really only been in about in the last couple of years and intensively in the last year and a half that we've, decided to stay away from doing restoration and concentrate on doing contractor support. Okay. So when you go there, though, it's still doing restoration work? Still doing restoration, uh, ex except that we're also traveling for storms, setting up equipment, okay. setting up generators, setting up desiccants, um, helping out other contractors on large losses with equipment. But we're doing smaller restoration jobs on a day-to-day -day basis around home. Okay. Is that, is that kind of the first time you start traveling for work? Yeah, it really was. Yeah, now, now you mentioned it, that really was. Because if I remember, yeah, if I remember right, with like JC's model is they they pretty much stay at home, right? You know, we would go out of town occasionally and do a large loss fire someplace, but primarily we were, we were around Chicagoland. Okay, so then so then you start travel, which you're like now you're traveling all the time, like traveling like crazy. Yeah, I travel quite a bit more than I ever used to. I never thought I'd see myself in this position, but uh, it's always it's it's new challenges, new people. New yeah. contractors. So where, so I guess, it, so Garrett McKenzie now, which is the contractor support, what is, I guess the kind of where, let me think, let me think how I want to do it. Because they started restoration. I know they made the, like the complete switch to really go all in on contractor support. Where, where are you guys at in the market now? And where are you guys going? So what we do now, like you, like we keep talk, talking about, it's contractor support, and so yeah, I guess our so, clients, what is contractor our, support? Our yeah. clients are restoration companies of all sizes that don't have the desiccants, they don't have the power distribution, or they don't have enough of it. 
right or the generators and so they'll call on us to come in and help support them on the losses that they have either because there's a national disaster a hurricane or a huge storm of some sort the derechos in iowa that kind of thing yeah um or they have a local job and wherever that is if it's in ohio or uh tennessee or you know wherever we sure go wherever right and so they need some help with infrastructure, with equipment, um, to get that going. And then we we go a little for we, we do we do the setups, right? So we'll deliver the equipment. So we're not really a traditional rental company, right? Because oh, I mean, you guys have done the restoration work already, so you have that experience going into these jobs, right? And uh, Garrett McKenzie started getting into buying equipment many many years ago to do their own losses, and then they started to travel and do their own restoration work after storms and so it was kind of a natural progression as the equipment they started purchasing more and more equipment trying to keep it utilized more okay and then that just spun off to us being hey you know what we're really good at this and uh, this seems to be what people know us as so we should pursue this so now are you guys are you guys centrally located in chicago or you guys have equipment other places other offices how yeah, so our main office is in uh, Lake Bluff, Illinois, north North Chicagoland. Okay. Um, we have equipment currently in California. Uh, we still have equipment in uh, Louisiana. Oh, okay, for, yeah, for the storms down there. Yep, we've got a good friend in uh, Beaumont, Texas, that uh, we keep some equipment with him. Okay. As we're getting things back from the storms, we're going to move some stuff towards Tennessee and possibly Pennsylvania. So putting things in some strategic locations to basically service the country absolutely just make keep our response time yeah shorter how many people are in how many people are involved with Garrett McKenzie and like where do you because I'm trying to figure out like where's where's your role like what are what's your title what are you doing there I'm the vice president of operations okay which uh I do a little bit of everything so I do a lot of I the owner April and I work together quite a bit on uh marketing Okay. Website and the new website, things like that, promotional stuff. Um, we're working through redesigning procedures and policies and employee handbooks and position statements. You guys are busy. Oh, yeah. That's like all the work that I hate and would never want to do. Yeah, so we're doing that, <laughs> and we get calls all the time for to help somebody out someplace. So we're sending people out, sending gear out, going out and setting up jobs and coming back and getting billings done and... Yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of a crazy busy time for us, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, how many other people are doing? Because obviously, there's the rental companies, you're the Sun Belts and the Hercs and whoever else there is. But how many people are doing like the the contractor support that we keep talking about, where where you can go in and set up, but not only well not not only just deliver equipment, but then set it up and actually like how much how much do you guys do with the drying of the job how involved are you guys and then how many other people are doing that so i know of probably six other companies like us okay. around the country uh that don't do restoration that stick with uh just doing just work and rental right okay um some of those guys uh, own retail shops and do rental as well so it was a natural their retail stop shop specializes in the restoration industry so it's kind of a natural offshoot sure um some of those guys are kind of, are, are like us many, many of them have been around longer than we have uh so for us will you call us with a job right yeah. you need some help we can do everything from help you walk that job and figure out what's going on mobilize the equipment bring in manpower set that equipment 
monitor that equipment. Uh, from time to time, contractors ask us to help them with the moisture map and, okay. and determine when the materials drive. We're always making adjustments to equipment. You've been around the restoration jobs. You know how that is. You know, things yep. are drying out, and so you're breaking out down equipment and shifting equipment around. In the meantime, uh, our guys are trained to be able to troubleshoot desiccants and generators and distro. And okay. So we do our utmost to try to keep that equipment in good shape, running well, so that you as our, my customer don't have downtime. Okay, perfect. And then, dude, and then it's so good seeing you here at Large Loss, but, oh, well, you're, no, you're a sponsor, that's why. But you've been at, okay, so I know you've been at Large Loss before, but yes. then you're back this time because Gary McKenzie's a sponsor Right, for the so event. this was kind of a unique uh, opportunity for us. Okay, so I had met Tom back in 19, Tom McGuire, Large Loss Mastery, right? Met him back in 19 in Los Angeles, and I took his class out there, and it was just phenomenal. What was, uh, what was the building? I always, it, was always... The, it was the Reagan Library. Okay. And, you know, I always love how he gets access to these crazy cool places. It, is, it was so cool, and I've just always been a big fan of President Reagan. So okay. it was cool to be there, and it was a cool project and a really good class and got to meet some good folks. And... Uh, Tom made an influence on me, and so the two of us kind of kept in, t in touch as he's developing the edge. He'd shoot stuff over, told me to have me check it out and see what okay. I think, and I came back from California and ran the last several large losses that we had done as a company okay. through his estimating system and thought, wow, you know, that's pretty awesome. You were within 8 to 10% using his system is what my final bill ended up being, so that was which pretty is cool. Which, which is the great thing with his system is like it gets you the number in a fraction of the time Oh, that it yeah, would take absolutely. you to. Absolutely. Where, you know, it would probably take you days to come up with a proposal for a large loss. You can come in and give somebody a budget, and, you know, once you get used to it, anywhere, less than an hour. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. It is. That is really cool. And it's amazing. How, like I keep saying, it's telling everybody. It's uh, it's amazing how accurate it is. Yeah, I mean, 8 to 10%. I remember I was on a call with uh, with Tom when he was, he was doing, like, a demo, and he had, I don't know, five or six restoration companies on the call. And and he just he's just like, uh, you know, somebody give me get let's let's look at one of your jobs you just did. So somebody, you know, got got it and he asked him a couple of the questions, a square foot, the ball, you know, plugs it in and he shoots out a number like two point three and they were like, Oh yeah, it came out at, at a two point one five. And they were like, But it took us like a week to get that number and Tom, I mean, Tom had it in no time. minutes, right? Right. Minutes. And it was, and he was on. Yeah. He's there. So we're both here because this is Tom's fifth anniversary. Yes. Right. And so Tom had shot me a text and saying, Hey, it's my fifth anniversary. I'd love to have you come down. You know, what do you think? Uh, get the old band back together. Yeah. And so I got thinking about it and talking about it, and then the opportunity arose for us to, as Garrett McKenzie, to sponsor the Kennedy Space Center piece okay. of the class. And so I, I get here, and we're sponsoring the Kennedy Space Center, and Tom asks me if I want to take the class again and be part of that. Oh, so yeah, you so I got to double team. dip, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that was kind of nice. Yeah. I took the class last time, which um, I'm glad I did, because I, I mean, I got, I, I got to see it, but... As an electrician who's never been on a large loss and never 
done any of the tasks required. It's like, like we were going through the case study, and I'm just looking at my team like, uh, guys, I'm worthless. I'm going to go design the logo for our team because I don't <laughs> – I think that was like my only contribution was like a logo and like organizing papers or something. It was, it was pretty pathetic, but, but I did get to see it, you know, from, from the start to finish and, and really picked up on some stuff. And, and I mean, and like you guys just did the case study and turned in your paperwork today. And, and uh, I know one of the big points he makes is like, you know, you guys just, it was an overwhelming amount of work and you turned it in eight hours later into this, you know, great proposal but that proposal would have taken days before. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. The company, you know, the templates are all in place, the 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 square foot calculations, and then besides that, it's not it's not just the information. It's Tom's years and Mickey Lee's years and years oh and gosh, years of yeah. experience behind it and developing thousands these of systems. Jobs. Yeah, thousands of jobs exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's so cool. And then I know another guy that because we were having the conversation with is Chuck DeWald. Yes. And so I guess so when you're when you're going to these jobs, are are you using like E three and to to help monitor and do anything on the jobs that you're involved in? Oh, absolutely. Yes, we use E three pretty extensively to help customers make decisions on what they need for equipment to help them support the decisions uh, when it comes time for their billing packet. We'll use those calculations to show them why we did what we did. Well, I guess, yeah, like in your words, what is E3? E3, in a nutshell, is a really quick way for us to evaluate the the energy and enthalpy of the material and the water and how to get that water out of the material. I'm glad this is in your words because I would have never said it like that. <laughs> Chuck so will sure. have to forgive me because I'm sure some, I'm just slaughtering this for him. But, I'm just uh, thinking, like, some listeners are like, oh, that's what it is. Instead of right. Jared's horrible kindergarten version of what it is. And with the app, with the E3 app now, it's just made things so... It's It seems to be, to me, to be much, much easier to control your drying chamber, to control the environment, to make decisions on... You know, I used E3 to size a huge heat law, or a, a heating job in Beloit, Wisconsin, earlier this year. Okay. Uh, customers, big section of the customer's roof caved in, and we used E3 to size the millions and millions of BTUs that we needed. To you know, Target temperature was like 50 degrees, and it was amazing to me how well it worked. And as the restoration contractor and the general contractor got the holes started, I mean, this hole was like 180 feet by... 100 feet by 180 feet, I think it was. Okay. And the ceiling's like 50 feet in the air, right? And so it's a monumental task to try to enclose that hole. You can't just throw a tarp over it, right? Right. So as they start getting that enclosure built around the hole from the inside floor to the roof, uh, we'd be able to start scaling heat, scaling the heaters back. And But it was great to see how well E3 worked in that situation. And you know, it gives you just that much more confidence. Yeah. Well, and you told me, I'll let you tell it, but the story when you were walking the building with Chris Laney. Yeah, so that's really where... Is that where you were introduced to it? So I'd, we'd, I'd worked around Chuck as a consultant before. Okay. And uh, never really saw the secret sauce behind what was going on. Just I was doing my thing and he's doing his thing. And sure. Helped him take readings on a job once and uh, just been around it quite a bit. 
And then I had the opportunity to walk a loss with Chris, and it just blew me away. We're walking this loss. I can't remember if we were walked from the top down, or the, but who for get, people, Chris Lang is an instructor for yes, the Wall Academy, yeah. and just a super great guy, and yeah. a, and, a, and a really good, awesome restorer. And so we're walking this loss, and he's helping Chris with these, or I'm sorry, Chris is helping Chuck with these clients, uh, helping them build their billing files, right, and, okay. and keeping the data, and. We'd been on this floor for a few minutes, and he looks at his thermal hygrometer, and he looks at his app, the, the DeWalt app on his phone, and says, oh, yeah, something's wrong. What do you mean something's wrong? Just that fast. Just that quick, right? Oh, yeah, something's going on. This We're not hitting our target here. There's got to be something going on. So he calls down to the our, our good friend Lorenzo Cano, who's down on the ground. He's running the, when the, the gear on the ground floor. Sure enough. Lorenzo finds an obstruction and a return line and a desiccant, and we get that cleared, and things are next day. The E3 is back on track. and But it's just having incredible. that so much control that you know that quickly that there's just something happening with your environment that's out of out of spec. Yeah, which I mean, nor, like I would think under a normal circumstance, that's going missed for a couple of days before it's like, okay, well, this something's way off here. Exactly, exactly. And we use E3 because we can evaluate equipment with it, right? Evaluate the equipment's performance. So we test our own desiccants. We get customers' desiccants in to, for service from time to time, and we test those to make sure they're operating within spec and operating within the manufacturer's range of where it's supposed to be. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just it, it's a really great tool. Okay, so going back to your position now and what you're doing, because now I, I don't know why it just pops in my head, but then going back to Michigan for when when you started and fell in love with restoration, is there a is there a gap now from you know you used to hold someone's hand and take them from you know devastated to whole and then flip a new job every couple of days? Do you still get that interaction in your position now, or are you? I do, but it's it's a little different, right? So I'm dealing with my customer is the contractor, and from time to time, the contractor will call us in to meet with the, the building's representative or the insurance people or, or whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, but there's still that set sense of satisfaction watching kids come back to school after a hurricane or watching factories open back up that you've been working on or, okay. you know, or after a factory after a fire, you know, and we've been drying it and helping with that and uh, seeing the employees come back to work. It's like wow, yeah, we really are having an impact here. It's not just, it's not just it's about us. It's a larger scale now. Yeah, exactly. Or I get, yeah, yeah, just like larger, larger facility, diff, but the, still the same, same satisfaction. But like, you know, like we say in the industry, it's, it's about getting people back in their homes, getting businesses back up and running, getting, getting hotels back open as quickly as possible. Uh, and that, I think that's really why, restoration is a thing today where it wasn't really in the early 80s everybody would just tear it down and rebuild it but a we're saving money and b we're getting things people's back to a people back to a more sense of normal quicker yeah i was gonna say faster i mean yeah faster than tearing something down and rebuilding it you guys are able to get them back yeah get them back to normal a little quicker that way right no that's cool okay so okay so i see i see that so you're still getting that 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 feeling that still that sense of of accomplishment that you that you had before just in a different just in like a different bigger scale now 
Right, and and we get to deal with some really awesome contractors. Some guys are fairly small, you know, and they've never really done a commercial loss like that before. And having the horsepower, the equipment, the expertise behind them gives them a little bit more confidence sure, to do the job. And then so seeing somebody like that be able to take the reins on this job and bring it across the finish line and kind of like their first well. their first big one exactly you get to watch that exactly and uh that's kind of fun you know that would be fun i could i mean i could see where that would be yeah i mean you get a call and someone's cuz i would have to imagine like a, sometimes a call would have to go can you guys help me with this or should i give it to somebody else and you're like no 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 we'll come in like you keep it and we're going to come in and yeah, we have those conversations. And then on the other side of the coin, we've got customers that we've known for a long time. Yeah. And you don't get to work with them every day. So, you know, you get on a loss and Catch it's their job and you get to see these guys and you hang out with them again and a good bunch. It's kind of a little family reunion for a moment. And then at the same time, you're getting the school back together, getting the yeah. factory back together. So, yeah. Now, how is this? I guess I guess I don't, I, I don't know if you have any kids or what their ages are, but are, is – is it like later in your life now it's easier for you to travel because of home or is there still some? It is. You know, I, it's hard to be away from home. And so the sense of satisfaction of doing what I do yeah. makes that less painful. Okay. Right? Uh, my kids are older. My son will be 19. Wow. He'll be 19 in January. <laughs> okay. And I, my daughter's awesome. She's happily married and living in Fort Wayne down by Chris. Oh, okay. And, uh, so it, the fact that they're a little bit older does make it a little easier, for sure. Yeah. I never would have been able to do this 20 years ago when we first met, or 10 years ago, I guess. It was. I guess yeah, that's yeah. kind of where I was, I was wondering if, it's, if, yeah, if the home's changed a little bit to where now you have this, this opportunity that you can pursue. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's cool. So what about, uh, I mean, I know we're talking about factories and schools, and then also just talking, we just had dinner with Tom tonight where right. he's, which I love that I've had Tom on the podcast. I'm like, Tom, what's like some big event, some story. And then he never has one for the podcast, but then you talk to him at dinner and he's talking about landmines in Kuwait and putting out fires and like some just, just crazy stories that he, that he tells at dinner. But what are, what are some of, what are some of the projects you've been involved in that are like, when you think back, like, Oh wow, that was, that one was pretty cool. Oh, we've got we've been involved in a bunch, you know. Um, with with some friends of ours, we got to do some drying and some conditioning at a, at a federal prison after Hurricane Michael. And oh, really? So, yeah, it had been evacuated, but still, just being in the prison and this particular facility had wings that were rented out. Basically, it's a privately owned or a privately owned company that deals with the federal government. Yep. And so uh, there was a wing that was all military. And okay. I, I just remember seeing all these incredible murals that one of the inmates had done during his time there. And they were all over that whole wing. It was really? incredible. Yeah. That was that was cool. During that same hurricane, it was Hurricane Michael. Um, we got to help out a major manufacturer down in that area. And so this company had huge robotic systems for assembly and picking parts and all kinds of things like that. Okay. The building was just ripped apart by mm. the hurricane and so it wasn't so much drying and restoring the building as it was keeping the equipment from sustaining further damage so that it could be restored and made operational because some of these machines are not only the size of most uh, of some buildings but 
they take years and years to engineer and build and then ship here from Europe and then install. And so if those hadn't been saved, that yeah. manufacturer would have been down for a really long time. And I forget the time frame. But I, I want to say that building was closed for less than a month. And the last day we're there, you know, there's all these employees. I can't remember, something like 700 employees come back to work. And that's, again, that's that, wow, you know. You got them there. Yeah, I'm watching the I'm watching the Red Cross do their thing, and that's awesome. And but then on this last day, you see all these employees come back, and you think to yourself, "Wow, that's really awesome." You know, now they're back to work. They're able to help support their families. They're able to now buy buy locally again, which is that supporting whole the shop economic order. chain is open exactly, again. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's really cool. Now going back to the prison, I talked with one. I don't remember. I don't remember the contractor. But they used some of our power distribution equipment to dry out a prison, and they said it was. They said it was a. The prisons are challenging because there are so many individual rooms and so many locked doors, and trying to get. Did you experience anything like that? Like the challenge of of drying a prison. In this situation, the inmates were, they'd all been evacuated. Yeah, and so portions of the roof had blown off, and a lot of the building just got soaked. Um, but since there was no inmates there, we were able to prop doors open and because it was only staff at that point. Okay. So we were able to do it with desiccants and some AC uh, and run lots and lots of lay flat. That's always seems to be fun for me to see. It's like lots making balloons. <laughs> yes, it's like watching, <laughs> making big balloon animals out of, you know, thousands of feet of lay flat. <laughs> I've never, now I'm gonna now I'm gonna look at lay flat completely differently. Whenever I see a picture of it, where before I would have never thought of giant balloon animals, but <laughs> well, you know exactly right. <laughs> so you're you're working like crazy, and the guys are setting up lay flat, and it's running it all over the place, and you it it inflates, and you're going about, and then some days later you're in, and you're taking readings, and you're taking a look, and you're like, wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I've never seen that before. <laughs> oh, that is that is cool. Now, how much? I guess we're, uh, how, how much longer do you see yourself doing this? You know, how many more years you got? Oh, I think I can handle it for quite a while yet. Yeah. Yeah. I keep threatening Will that, uh, you know, I'm I'm three years and I'm going to retire, but (laughs) I'm not ready to retire. Let's face it. (laughs) I don't know. I saw you down here. I think you're having too much fun to go retire. Exactly. Yeah. I'm having fun. It's, It's a good gig. So now what do you have coming up? uh after this are you doing anything or no you yeah you did tell me you were going you're doing some training or some class or yeah i'm speaking at an event uh next week for one of our contractors okay uh, be down there for a couple of days and then i'll be home until probably after the holidays of course unless workload changes right so yeah right something comes in just like for any other restore or anybody else in the restoration industry the next phone call can change everything and so you just, you, you never really know, but yeah, the plan is to be home till after the holidays and then they've got a lot of clients to get out and visit after the first of the year. And we've got an awful, yeah, we're moving buildings and remodeling oh, offices are. and yeah. Oh yeah. So we stay busy. There's a lot, there's <laughs> there's a lot, a lot going of work on. going on. Yeah. <laughs> so when you're going and visiting clients, what's kind of, what's, what's that kind of like, what's your, what are you doing there? Well, my goal for this first. Are you just dropping off donuts and coffee and. Uh, to an extent, yeah. Uh, more for me, it's uh, getting out to see how this last storm season went. What are the things that uh, we did well for you? 
where where do we drop the ball? Where was there miscommunication? Okay. Um, what do you think about the billing systems that we're using? We're rolling out a new billing system, so I want to be able to talk to customers about what that looks like. So it's like kind of getting a survey. Exactly. For what? Yeah, it's important to me and to the company as we grow. We have yeah. we've we've uh, seen quite a bit of growth in the last year. And as we grow, I want to make sure that we don't list, lose that personal touch, the sure. service that people have come to know us for. Yeah. So, yeah, I want to make sure I'm taking people's temperature and that we're still doing what I think we're doing. No, that's cool. So what are you doing outside of restoration? When you're not doing, when you're not working, what are you doing? Well, I've got a wood shop to get set back up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We just moved back in July and then. You know, hurricane season started, so I've got my whole wood shop packed into the garage right at the moment. So that's got to get unpacked and put a, put away. I just love to tinker in the wood shop. You yeah, know, my my family's been in woodworking, for, you know, for generations. So that, that's always fun for me. Uh, I hunt, I hunt and fish. Okay, particularly upland birds, pheasants, grouse, things like that. I got a little eighteen-month-old yeah. pup running around the house right now. That's a heck of a nice little bird dog, but he can be a handful in the house. So. <laughs> Deanna, if you're listening to this, I love you. Appreciate you for uh, keeping track of my monster while I'm gone. <laughs> oh, it's funny. I haven't done much on the uh, on the yeah the bird stuff. But I love watching like the videos and the and the dogs just working, 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 and and getting after it. That's that's pretty you know cool. honestly that's the most fun part, right? Because yeah. all you get to know these dogs and my a bunch of my friends have dogs. Um, my two closest friends have dogs and. We hunt together when it's the same kind of dog. We all have German short hairs, and so okay, we hunt together as much as we possibly See, that's can. A, that's a dog I used to have, German short hair, but he was yeah. but he was a rescue, and he was scared of guns and gunshots and fireworks, and so he wasn't he wasn't. Now he would go chase birds, but he wasn't hunting. Yeah, so I get to know I know these guys, and we've been hunting together for years. So you get to know their dogs, and so no matter whose dog, they all have a different personality, and so the way they're the same breed, they're basically trained the same way. But even there, you know, they have their own personality. Their own personality so the way they, yeah. they approach things are a little different. It's just so cool to watch them work scent in the woods and figure stuff out and figure out how to work together. And it's, yeah. it's, it's really neat. Now, on the training side, is that stuff that you guys are doing or, or are you having that? Is there like a training facility or? There's trainers around the country. Like a trainer. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. what I meant to say. So my last two dogs I trained myself, uh, North American Versatile Oh, so you've been doing this for a while? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So there's, there's an association, NAVDA, the North, North American Versatile Hunting Dog Association, and their mission pretty much is to connect the young guys with new pups to older guys that have been around for a long time and kind of help each other train your dogs. Okay. Um, this little guy, uh, we got super busy after Texas. So I got him just before hurricane season last year. Okay. And then he just gets to the point where he's ready to train, and it's just getting to be springtime, and we head down to Texas. For Texas the, was huge. Yeah, that was a huge thing, and got back from that, and now we're really busy at work, at, at work, at the office, and I can't remember, there's another, another loss popped up, and so I had the opportunity to send him off to a very well-known trainer. Okay. And that worked out very, very well. So he came back. He's ready to go. Yeah, he came back pretty much just ready to go. Now, he's still a pup, but yeah, you said eighteen months. Yes, yeah. So he when he got him back, he he was gone for almost three months, and okay. so we got him back. He was about seven and a half months old. Oh, they, he went young. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you have to? 
I mean, I'm, I'm assuming like you have to, I mean, keep training or keep hunting to like keep his skills up, right? I mean, do you have to go out every certain so many times a month or what's kind of the maintenance I, you never get to, It's just like you, right? You never get to hunt as much as you want to. No, never, right? yeah. And so you take opportunities to either be out training. Uh, fortunately, there's a spot that's not very far north of me in Wisconsin where I can train most of the year with live birds. Okay. By pigeons, by chuckers or whatever, and train with those. Uh, do a lot of, in the spring and summer especially, do a lot of water retrieval work with them. Oh, okay. A, a happy German short hair is a tired German short hair. So, <laughs> which if I remember right, that's not that's not a, an easy. No, task. that's not a five minute task. No, it is not. And uh, so we regularly get him outside and throw the ball for him and let him run and get okay. Some, and so the winter's kind of tough to train, but once springtime rolls around, you know, get him back out in the field and doing work, and that's always fun too. It gets me the good reason for me to get out of the house. Oh, sure. Yeah. So he's getting after the ducks too, and like that's I love watching him just go into the water and go yeah. track down a duck. And bring yes, I uh, haven't had a chance to get him on live ducks yet, but we've been doing a lot of water work okay. since spring, and uh, he loves chasing the dummies. He thinks that's the best. <laughs> that's so cool. And then, are you doing any? Usually, you're basically just bird hunting. Is there? Are, did you do any other hunting when you were? Younger, or are you looking forward to doing any new hunting? Well, in the when future? we lived in Michigan, I did quite a bit of bow hunting, especially early season. Okay, uh, deer, right, right, yeah, right. So weekends that I couldn't get up north because northern Michigan's really great for upland game, and southern Michigan it's harder to come by. Okay. So weekends that I couldn't get up north with a dog, I'd you know get out and go bow hunting in the fall. That was always, I mean, that's that was one of my favorite things. The early archery season was. Yeah, I just don't have so the much fun. The patience and the thick skin to sit in a tree in the winter for extended periods of time and try to hold perfectly still. So when it's warmer in the fall, that's that's me. <laughs> I, know, I know, me too. I know that every once in a while I try to do the late season. And it's just like, what am I doing up here? This is so cold. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Right, and then and then if you do if you do shoot one, it's like, well, now I have to now I have to deal with all of that in the cold. Also, I'm just going to just stay cold. Yeah, and then it was, uh, a fish, blue water fish. Okay. Uh, relatively new for me. Uh, our good buddy Juan Castro. Yes, just met him. Yeah. Just met him today. Yeah. Or, well, this, well, this, this week, week, right? Yeah. 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 So Juan's got a beautiful boat down in Cabo. And ever since I've known him, before he had his boat, he's always talking about going to Cabo and lots of fishing stories. And so. Well, he brought a fish. He brought a fish here and fed all of us. He did. He did. Yeah. So he, uh, he got that fish on Saturday and it was here. On Sunday, we ate it Monday night. Yeah. Yeah, it was fantastic. What, what, what was? I forget what it was. Uh, in uh, in Mexico, it's a Dorado. Here, we call it a mahi-mahi. Mahi-mahi. Yeah. And, he brings, and it was, that was incredible because he brings his fish in, and then Tom's, uh, Tom's girlfriend works at a restaurant. Right. They talk to this chef. Chef's like, I'll cook it. Yeah, and so I get in on Sunday night. Yeah. And Juan's on his way, and he's got this, you know, Got this freezer bag, that yeti, that this yeti, yeti soft thing, side right? cooler, yeah, full of fish. <laughs> and so, I get in, and Tom and I grab a bite. He had just gotten done setting up, and I'm like, "Say, do you know any of the chefs in this area that might be able to?" He's like, "Do I know?" You know, yeah. <laughs> in that kind of yeah. a Tom way, right? And ex exactly, his girlfriend uh, works at uh, Island Time, yep. and she went in and talked to the chef at Island Time, and 
he agreed to take on the task force and just did a great job. It was it was an incredible meal. Oh, it came out. I'm trying to think how many people were there, like six or eight people, and we didn't even eat all of it. Like no, it yeah. came out. There was grilled. There was blackened. There was the fried fried little bites. There was yeah. He, they that chef did not let a bit of that fish go to waste. No, and it was all really good. Oh, it was so good. Yeah, yeah. It was, and then and like I said, there was fish left over. I mean. Right, Lane took, been a big, Lane it was a big fish. fish. Oh yeah, Juan was. Oh, it's just a little guy. Oh, <laughs> growing up in the Midwest and fishing the Great Lakes, that's a big fish. Yeah, that was a really big fish. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> now, how long have you known Juan? Well, let me ask you this: Have you ever fished with Juan? Yeah. So let's let's do that. So okay, so I met Juan. It's got to be going on seven years ago, and we were at a class together. Okay. And you know how it is, you know, you go to a class in the industry and everybody's sitting at these eight foot tables and Juan and I happen, I sit down at a table and it's just about time for class to start and Juan comes running through the door and plops down next to me and, yeah, you know, two hours later it's time for our first break and he's telling me all about his dream to own a Cabo yacht and keep it in Cabo and I'm like, wow, that's really cool. You know, I've always fished freshwater, never fished deep sea fishing, never done that. And, yeah. And, uh, Always wanted to catch a marlin, right? And so at Tom's class in Los Angeles. So f- for like three or four years, Juan's sending me pictures of boats. Okay. What do you think about this boat? What do you think about that boat? I'm so you guys stay in touch. Oh, yeah. So yeah. So after that class, Juan and I become fast friends. Okay. Right? And so if I'm going to a class someplace, he shows up. If he's going, I go. Uh, it's yeah, we, We've been buddies. My family just. Uh, loves him we love his family uh it's yeah it's been it's a it's a great friendship but so we're at tom's class in the spring of 2019 late april uh, spring of 2019 and this boat comes up and he's like well i I think this is the one i'm gonna make an offer on it well that's great you know so he made an offer and the offer got accepted by the end of the week so tom was there too when (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Juan actually, you know, pending the sea trials and the inspections and all yeah, of that kind of yeah. thing, you know, actually bought his boat. And so October is, uh, we were, my daughter was getting married. And just before that, we were in Texas after a tropical storm, drying some schools for a great client of ours down there. And uh, his boat gets delivered to Cabo. So he gets a Cabo yacht, which turns out is a great manufacturer of blue water fishing boats. So he gets his Cabo yacht that he's always wanted, and it's in uh, San Jose del Cabo uh, in La Playa, and uh, it's there. So my son and I go down February of 2020 is really the first chance I I get to get down there. But it was was awesome to be standing on his dream. Oh, yeah. You know, going out and fishing on his dream. And sure enough, he not only got me into one marlin on that first trip, he got us into two. uh, Oh, that's cool. My son caught some sharks, and he caught some – he caught them. Uh, tuna and we caught a mahi mahi and it was a great trip and uh then we were just back down there with him in may my wife agreed to go for our 25th anniversary oh congratulations yeah thank you and so we went down there and visited with juan and went fishing and it was just a crazy time so much fun <laughs> i can't well I, I got to meet so i met juan earlier this week but uh tonight at dinner got to sit right across from him and and was talking with him and yes, I mean, I, so he was telling. I mean, he, he was talking about his boat and fishing. Like that, you can tell. Like that comes up in conversation immediately. Like he loves his boat, loves fishing. He does. Um, but I guess it started like as a kid. 
for right. him. And, and so that, yeah, so you, you have to go back further. Juan tells the story of being 16 years old and going down, just got just, just gotten his driver's license and took one of his dad's truck trucks and, uh, and a camper shell and went, drove to Cabo, drove from uh, Carpinteria, California, where they live, drove all the way down to Cabo San Lucas, met a couple of local 16. boys. Yeah, 16 years old. Yeah. Met a couple of local boys and became fast friends with them. Ends up staying down there way longer than he than his parents had agreed to let him go. He said like three months or something. It was down there for a long time. I, <laughs> he was like down he there all left. summer, and I'm He's, pretty sure that like his dad kid. his dad went down there to get him because he was concerned he wouldn't come back for school. So that's what I heard yeah. too. Yeah, he had to come back for school, so they wouldn't got him. <laughs> but what's cool is these uh, two brothers that he had met uh, fishing on the beach in Cabo. The two of them hit it off. You can see that about Ron, Juan, right? Talking oh, yeah. to him tonight. Oh, yeah. He's just an easy guy to hit it off with. He's just a good guy. And so these two brothers befriend him. They keep in touch over the years. And they start dreaming of the day that Juan's going to get this boat and keep it in Cabo. And so now the they both of them have their own smaller boats. And they fish commercially and they guide. And But... The one guy is Juan's certified captain for his boat. The other guy is his deckhand and the other brother. And it's just like a family thing. It's it's just so cool to see that these this thing that these three men have dreamt of since they were te- teenagers. Well, this is like this goes back to thirty years. Yeah, absolutely. When they when they all met, right? Roughly, yeah. Holding on to that dream for thirty years until he saw it come to pass. That's just cool. That's very cool. Most yeah. of us give up after a year or two. Yeah, I can't. I don't know that I've done any, tried to do anything for 30 years. Right. <laughs> oh, man. That is, that is, yeah, he was just such a cool guy. I mean, and, yeah, I, I'm just, I'm just still blown away. Like, just bringing that fish up here. Like, he just traveled up here with the fish and then we just ate it. And he, he is truly one of a kind. He is cool. Who else do you know that would bring a fish to an event and just on a chance that you'd be able to cook it? Yeah, I don't, no, I don't. I thought it was I thought it was a joke at first. Somebody's like, "Oh yeah, Juan caught a fish. We're gonna go eat it." And I was like, "Well, he, like he's gonna eat his fish." Like, no, we're all eating. And then it was just like the story. It started getting pieced together for me. I'm like, oh, this is serious. This is, and then Juan shows me a picture. He's like, "Yeah, here's the fish." I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" Right? Like, you have that? He's like, yeah, in the bag. What kind of fish <laughs> did you catch that can possibly be big enough to feed all of us? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I'm like imagining him like going through an airport with a fish in his. But I don't know. I don't even know how he got it here. But I mean, yeah, on that the plane, bag has right? gone back and forth from Cabo to California. I can't tell you how many times. <laughs> My we we went we went out to see him in California. Uh, well, it was not too probably the July after COVID really first started getting going. Uh, we went and visited. Him. He had just come back from Cabo with a big tuna, and so. His whole family got together, and some of his friends, and my whole family was there. And his brother's uh, a very good chef and taught us all how to make sushi and made sushi and sashimi for everybody with Juan's oh fresh fish. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yep. Well, I know he's on, the, he's on the West Coast. I'm on the West Coast now. I think we're on North and South. We're not lined up very well, but right. <laughs> at least I'm on the right side of the country to maybe, maybe go hang out with Juan sometime. You got to get him on the podcast. Oh, he'd be fun. Oh, absolutely. I yeah. think we could have we could have twisted his arm a little bit tonight. I think he I think he would have done it. But well, you guys are you guys got flights out in the morning, right? Yeah, pretty we're early. flying out pretty early in the morning. 
Uh, he's wanting to get packed and get some rest, and I'm going to have to get some sleep tonight, too. It's been, it was a good week. A lot happened, learned a lot, met some great people, had some really good interactions. Uh, but it's just, like we were talking on the way here, it's just, just it's, it's bent. Oh, so that, that party last night kind of. Yes. Yeah. Kind that of finished was, everyone Tom's, off. Tom's fifth anniversary party was definitely a blowout. <laughs> it was sure. awesome. Right. <laughs> I know it was, I uh, was telling, well, I, I was telling Tom, but I had, uh, I brought my, my Advil bottle in this morning and just set it, set it up on my table. And so people were like, oh, dude, can I have a couple of those? Can I have those? Just. Distributing yeah, there, there, was, there was definitely some uh, <laughs> some recovery happening in the classroom there today. Yeah, there was. But Tom only has his fifth year anniversary once, right? So you got you got to go. Yeah, you got to go yeah. all out for it. Yeah, fireworks and the chef put on food again, and yeah, it was amazing. yeah, it was really cool. We want to see what he's going to do for his ten year. Wow. Yeah, I can't imagine. He's <laughs> he's uh yeah. When I was talking with him earlier today, I mean he's. He's still just coming up with more and more stuff. I mean, when you think about, you know, the five years ago is when all of this just started, and it started on paper and templates, and, and now there's an app, and and he's integrating with clean claims and a couple other. I mean, it's to me, it's growing so fast, and then and he's not slowing down. The guy's no, just, not at all. just still not just at all. coming up with new stuff and wants to be better and make things and Yeah, I don't I joked earlier that uh that he's gonna have a drying class on the moon for his <laughs> for, <laughs> for his ten year. It yeah. could happen. He's, we're right here in Cape Canaveral, you know, you I never know. know. He just shoots all of them. And moon. he knows everybody, so you, know, <laughs> you just never know what's gonna happen. Yeah, have no, you, when uh, I when I learned Tom's system that was all the best practices that he had learned over the years. Yeah. And uh the charts and the workflow matrix papers and it was all, you know, Excel spreadsheets and Word documents and contracts and everything you put together was that way. And now the edge makes it just so much faster. Edge plus yeah. makes it just so much faster. Because, I mean, it's plug and play, right? You just... Right. The templates are all built in. And as you, you it, when you start the program, as you make decisions, it automatically starts to fill in the blanks and gotcha. take you to the ne- next correct form. So, you, yeah, it's it's pretty intuitive. Actually, it's remarkably intuitive. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so I'm happy for him. Oh, well, I don't know about you, but kind of talking about being a little whipped and worn out and I'm with you buddy. I think it's, <laughs> it's been a it's been a fantastic week. Yeah. Like I said, it's always great to catch up with you. I'm glad we got a chance to do this. Oh and, yeah, uh, you too. Well, and I, like I said, I knew it's it's good getting you on the podcast cuz now I get to fill in those gaps where it's like, okay, hey, I saw Dan 10 years ago, then I saw him 5 years ago, and then I saw him. Yeah. Right. So now you get to kind of I'm caught up to speed bit. now with a little bit, with, yeah. with Dan Boot. And we'll find out what happens next, right? Yeah, we will. Yeah. Sounds good, man. All right. Hey, I appreciate it. This is Jarrett and Dan broadcasting live out of the Radisson in Cape Canaveral, Florida. Hey, have a great day, everybody. Thanks, Dan. Thank you.